I am pleased to have a drummer from a band that put out a very excellent album back in the early 90s and then kind of disappeared and now they're reappearing and putting awesome stuff back out this is the drummer for the band fear not i have gary hansen joining the show gary thank you so much for joining me oh thanks for having me joel it only took three days and three nights to get skype working but here we are hey and we're happy right yeah we gotta pretend like we're happy (laughs) we're not in a bad mood uh no but uh what have you been up to lately what's going on right now with you well um besides the day-to-day you know we all have to do that at at this stage in life but um you know we're finishing up the record as is the buzz going around uh social media if you're not in the studio actively we've been in the studio actively for almost a year now um recording this it's kind of difficult as larry might explain we're in three different states and our producers in a fourth state. So we're, we're dropboxing songs back and forth. Um, I just got three songs that, um, the actually the six, seven and eight. Um, I got those yesterday. So I'm working on the drum parts for those, uh, Sunday a week from, oh, actually it's, no, two Sundays, the 30th, I'm going in the, into the studio to record um, those three tracks. And that same weekend, Chris should be out with Larry um, finishing up the, the tracks for the, the a ninth and 10th song, possibly 11, mm-hmm. which I don't know if Larry said we're going to do a cover tune, possibly. We got, we got a big surprise for you guys. So. Okay. I think I heard him mention that on another interview. And uh, yeah, so let me let me ask you this. Oh, well, go ahead. Go ahead. No, so that's kind of what I'm doing drum wise. Um, you know, I I am a a drummer at a large church. I play in the worship cage. I call it. Yeah, I hate week. those things. Uh, I love it. I got I've gotten used to the click in the cage and the tracks and the. I mean, and I I can't live without them now. But it's a, it's definitely an acquired taste for most drummers. Let me ask you this: Has this ever happened to you? Because this happened to me when I play worship. You're in the cage your ears go out like your battery dies on your pack and you can't hear nothing and you're like oh panic mode i hope they stick with me because that's happened to me before you know what it it hasn't happened to me i've seen it happen to people um i (laughs) i've been the guy sitting there uh ready to start the, the set and and uh the, the leader's looking at me and I'm like, he's talking in the mic to me and I'm like, I can't hear anything. Thinking yeah. I was that guy with the battery. And then just to look down and see that I had unplugged my headphones. Yeah, that stuff is- Nine, uh, nine times out of 10, any, any snafus go at where I play recently and, and most of the part has mostly been my fault. So, <laughs> Are you leading yeah. worship too? Cause I know you do sing and I, you, you play guitar. I, I actually, um, I do lead there sometimes. I do when, when the leaders are away and then there's a couple of other places in in california that call me on a on a not you know not on the regular but you know 10 10 times a year maybe to lead okay. worship there so i i do traveling worship basically let me ask you some kind of off the wall just silly kind of questions and then get sure. into the conversation all right you got to pick one here carmine or vinnie I'm gonna go with Carmine. Okay. Any any reason? Um, he's he's 
more like me. Yeah. He's just he's just goofy. He's good, but he's not flashy. He's but he's flashy. Um, he's he's just this meat and potatoes guy. I, I just think I think he's more. I just I like him better. Although All Vinny's right. Vinny's, I mean it's that's a hard unfair question actually. <laughs> well, no. they won't they won't ever hear this, so you're okay. <laughs> oh, that was a that was off the record. <laughs> off the record. No one's listening to this, so you're okay. Well, you're safe. Carmine and Vinny are both my friends on Facebook, so if I put it on there, they're going to hear it. No, have I'm you kidding. ever? <laughs> I was going to say, have you ever met them? Either one of them or I, seen I, live? I've met Carmine, not Vinny. Uh, okay. Yeah, just briefly, just perform. hey, how's it going? You know. So. Have you seen him perform? Yes. In person, I should say. Yes, I've been actually been to clinics with Carmine. Oh wow, that'd be back awesome. Yeah, back in the day. All right. Well, we won't we won't go too further to rip you apart from those brothers but all right but next just question. just a, just yes. a, on that question just a you know a garyism i guess you'd call it a, a, i i i learn from the best and i learn from the worst you know every drummer i watch i love i mm-hmm. yeah i don't care if it's a 12 year old kid that barely can hold a beat i love watching it because they always do something that's uniquely them and i go wow maybe i can do that you know so i i i appreciate the best drummers and the worst, you know, technically the worst drummers, even though they everybody has something to offer. Well, since we're kind of on that topic, and I would ask you this later, who are drummers that have influenced you? Um, I like Ringo. Ringo was one of my first that I really um, uh, you know, Stuart Koblen. When I was growing up, I was a more new wave, new wavy, police punky kind of drummer. Um, Robert Sweet, amazing, amazing yep. to watch. Yeah, I like fine. visual drummers. Um, I'm going to say my favorite drummer, and he actually gave me this, this drum kit back here that you see. Um, yeah. is Jamie Wallum. He plays, okay. for the band, he plays for the band Tears for Fears. Yeah. But he also did a ton of records for Pachyderm back in the day. Play with the Brave. He played, I played, actually... He did. He he. I played with the Brave, but he did the record. Yeah, I was gonna. Well, I'll bring that up later on. But but, but yeah, um, and he played for Michael Sweet. Michael Sweet, yeah. Right. So he yeah. he he is probably my like to watch and technically and just his his just sweet spot. Uh, he's my favorite drummer. By far. I need I need to catch up with him and watch some of his updated stuff because. I'm pretty positive. I told the guys when I recorded with the Brave that I saw Michael Sweet come through or close to where I was living. It was, well, it was making Georgia years ago and he was doing an acoustic, but he had the full band and I'm pretty sure that's who was playing drums when they came through. It was, was Tracy Ferry playing bass. I couldn't even, I couldn't even, I mean, this was, I would have to say it was when the first solo album came out for Michael. Yeah. I'm trying. I I was, I think I was in eighth grade. So not to, not to make anybody feel old. Yeah, I'm 41 now, but whatever that would have put me at, it was, it was whatever the early 90s were. But uh, yeah, it was the first time I got to meet Michael Sweet, and he was the first one from Striper I got to meet. Anyways, uh, I was going to ask you, what about Terry Bazio? Um, he's an alien. He's from a different planet. Mm-hmm. He's not human. Um, and that's all I'll say about that. I, I, it's, he's mind-blowing. I can't, I can't fathom that a human being can play an instrument like him. He's like he's he's fun to watch. He's fantastic, fantastic. So, 
especially uh, I'm going. Why am I going blank? The the band he was in with his wife uh, or his former wife in the eighties. Oh yeah, missing persons. Missing persons. Thank you. I was yeah. having a big they break still part play there. All the time. She they play out in this circuit out here. I've actually opened for them with a couple of bands that I've played with. Oh really? How is she? Have you have you met she's her? She's awesome. Gotcha? She's she's fun. She's she's she was, just a normal person. She was so I mean, well, not saying she's not anymore, but she was so cool looking back then. You know, with her yeah, with her look. Right, she's still quirky. Next question: Big set or little set? Big set or little set? Um, for, for drums, of course. Oh, always. I've always played um, four or five drums. Usually one up, two down for the past 40 years. Two symbols. Sometimes I'll use a, a some you know effect symbols here and there for obviously for effect, but really I play as small as I you know I like I'm I'm pretty comfortable with the one up two down right now. Mm-hmm. This, this set I just I just got um, this DW collector series. It's a it's a VLT and it it is a it's the bottom sizes, so it's a 24 inch kick. It's actually 24 by 18. It's a deep kick. And then it's got the 13, 16, and 18 inch floors. Okay. So, do you feel like if you had more more drums that you could be more creative at times with your fills? You know, I I I don't. I I look at it like this, and this is another Gary's, I guess you could say, is is if you're sitting in um, say you're sitting in a large arena or the back of a church or of a large church or any any type of venue and you're you're not on stage you're you're hearing the, the music in the house or even you're listening to a record and you hear uh, a bunch of notes it kind of goes by you and you go oh, that's cool whatever but if you hear just i i was looking for if i lit off a cannon in an auditorium more people would jump than if i lit off a package of firecrackers so that's kind of my theory i i like um more powerful slower you know less tones more canon style that's just me i use a lot of jungle type beats and and uh and i i just never got comfortable with a lot of drums i've played venues where you know the house set had six drums or eight drums i've played it i've tried it but it just doesn't stop me Kind of, I kind of like going back and forth. If you're setting up the drums yourself and don't have a roadie, <laughs> then the the, drum, the smaller drums is better because yeah, I think it, it's it gets old it's better. orchestration too, you know. And and all the the uh, the other kits that I have, they all have. I all have my standard kit that I have is is 22, 10, 12, 14, 16. So that's my setup. I, that's what I have, but I I never I never play it. I always play the the 12, 14, 16, and the 22 inch kick. I just got this 24 inch kick, you know, right at Christmas. So this is what I'm going to use on the next the ne- the rest of the record. So. So you haven't recorded? Have you recorded? not with, not with this one yet? So will you think that altered the sound at all for the rest of the songs much? No, not really. Okay. I mean, it's going to sound just going to sound maybe a little thicker. Just experimenting. It might it might sound cool. It might be different. It'd be interesting. Yeah. All right, next next. It'd question. be interesting to see if anybody notices. I'll I'll have to keep my ear out and see if I notice okay. anything, and then I'll and then I'll run it by you. All right. Uh, next question. I have two more of these. 
you can be either a legendary drummer or a legendary singer. Which one do you want to be? Me? Yes, you. Yeah. You have the option of, of you can be either one of those. I would be a drummer. I'm with you. Because if I'm a legendary drummer, then I don't have to set up my own kit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> See, the only reason I'm a singer is because I don't, I, you know, I can bring my guitar and my my voice and that's it. I don't have to, you know, bring a bunch of gear and everything. So that's, I actually only started singing, and play, well, I sang and played drums my whole life, but I started, you know, front and bands and leading is just for that exact reason. I, you know, I, I wanted a break. I still wanted to play music, but I didn't feel like working as hard. Yeah, it's nice to change things up too if, you, if yeah. you're able to have the talent. Yeah, it's it's super fun. Did you sing background for Fear Not at live shows? Uh -huh. yeah, see you guys. Yeah. All right, let me let me ask you the last question, then we'll move into kind of your history and with music and everything that's been going on. And this is one I've asked every everybody that's been on the show. You can see a concert from any band that's ever existed. Who are you going to go see? Oh, that's ever existed? I can bring them back? Oh, yeah. I like to back. see I like to see Buddy Holly. Oh, that's a good one. No one said that one. Yeah. I love Would Buddy you? Holly. I thought his energy and his... his, his I mean, I was a really big um, Elvis Costello fan. Mm-hmm. Buddy, Buddy Holly kind of remind, or I was still kind of riding with Buddy Holly. I grew up listening to Buddy Holly a lot. So that would be mine. Probably. You could take that whole lineup that perished in that. Crowd oh yeah. And, you know, oh yeah. Richie Valens. Big Bopper. Yeah. All right. Well, let's day. let's uh, kind of go back a little bit. We've discussed some of the stuff. So when did you discover that you love playing drums? When did you start playing drums, and, and did you take lessons, or were you self-taught? So, um, I used to be drawn to drummers, always just super drawn to them. I would go, we'd go to the parks or we'd go anywhere where there's music and I would just be enamored. So I, I begged for drums probably since I was four. Um, I got my first kit, um, my sixth grade graduation. My principal was a drummer, the principal of the school, but I did in fifth grade, I started, I was in band class. So I would, I would be in the, you know, the drum line from fifth grade, you know, all the way through high school. I was in drum line. But yeah, that's that's when I sixth grade is when I got my first drum set. Um, by the end of that summer, I we'd already done a gig. My neighbors, who uh, I still actually play with to this day, we had, we we did his graduation from from eighth grade, which was the very next year. So I guess it was a summer and a school year. So it was almost a year. And, and we did a gig, so that's when I did my first gig in, in uh, seventh grade. What bands were influencing you or were you listening to at that time? Oh my gosh, we were, the first song we learned was Smoke on the Water. <laughs> that's a typical one there. Uh -huh. and, and then we uh, we learned, um, <clears throat> Sabotage, Black Sabbath. Mm -hmm. um, we used to play, Kiss albums, the whole album we play. Favorite Kiss uh -huh. uh, drummer? What's that? Who's your favorite Kiss drummer? Well, Eric Carr was the best. But, uh, I agree. I agree. But Peter Chris was amazing. So just, he, I mean, Peter Chris was like that, you know, epitome of the 70s drummer, you know, 
you know, right. open rules and just real sloppy and real loose. And it was cool. Real cool. Real cool. And, you know, growing up, um, I was, in, I played football and, and I, you know, I was involved in sports and the kid, the guys in the neighborhood that I played in the band with, they would always give me a bad time. But the day school would get out in the summer, we would start playing, you know, from time our parents left to go to work, we could start playing music. And when they got home, we'd have to stop. So we would play that eight, nine hours a day, nonstop. We would learn, like we learned the whole Beatles White Album. And that's when I started singing with those guys. Because we would work on, you know, we were we were like 13, 14 years old and we were doing, you know, three-part harmonies, trying to figure all that stuff out, trying to figure out songs note for note. So that's kind of how I grew up. But then during school, sports would start. I stopped playing completely except for marching band. So, so we had a lot of... Well, let me ask you about sports, though. Do you ever find it hard to kind of share passions, say the combination of music and sports? Are you more focused on one at a time or can you be focused on, on both, if that makes sense? Um, playing in, playing wise, playing a sport or just watching sports nowadays? Uh, either one, because, you know, I could say right now I'm a diehard baseball fan and I just, I'm just not interested at this point. And I even was, you know, I was hosting a baseball podcast. I, Mm-hmm. Uh, doing doing that, I mean, just love baseball. And right now, with all the stuff going on, just kind of get tired of it with the labor lockout. And uh, and, and all of a sudden, even though the passion's there for music and getting into stuff like that's taken over the baseball passion that I have too. It, yeah. And I can't really like it's never just one or, or both of them at the same time. If that makes sense. Yeah, that is rough because I. Yeah, it is rough. It's it's been a struggle my whole life too. You know, yeah, I like you want to be a baseball player, and then you're like, no, I don't want to look like that. I don't want to look like a rock star. I want to be a drummer. Yeah. Yeah. But so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that was my, that's kind of my history. That's kind of my history of of bands growing up and. Playing. What was your first? What was your first set then? My first drum set. Yeah, can you remember? I do remember. It was a Slingerland jazz kit. And it was, it was, uh, it was a really, really super nice kit. And my, uh, that's Chris Sorensen on the phone. It's who? And it was, that was Chris. Oh, I thought you said Crystal Lewis. (laughs) Uh, So, so, uh, it was a really, really nice professional kit. My, my principal was a pro drummer. So the brummer is when he got back from his sabbatical, um, a year later, he had to take that kit back, and my parents right. bought me a two hundred dollar uh, Sears and Roebuck. Uh, right. They call them they call them MIJs now. They're worth money now, but they were with just cheap symbols and Basics, it was such yeah. a letdown. But I can imagine was, start with the top of the drum sets there with a Slingerland. I was going to say, wow, that's the cool, uh, the cool thing, Joel, is I still have after that kit after that. Japanese kit I had. I don't know what happened. I think it just disintegrated. But I have every kit that I've ever had. Yeah, I'm the same way. Well, some of my old, my first kits are in my mom's attic. Cause yeah. I think yeah, I think mine, there. I've given mine all away to people with a contract that says you can never sell this kit. I need to know where this is. If you want to give it to somebody, great. If you need yeah. money, then I'll, then, then oh, I'll buy yeah. it back from you. They need something to you. 
yeah, I don't want them to ever go away. So my nephews are playing them. Some people from church are playing some other kids. My one of my other friends has my my uh, original Tama from Love Life. Love, Love Life. Then I got my next Tama. I was a Tama guy most really? of my early life. Yeah. And Tama is just a brand I've never played. There's no reason why. I always was a Pearl guy at first because of Robert Sweet. Because when I was into him, he was endorsed by Pearl in the '60s. Mm-hmm. So I, that's what I always wanted. And then I just once again, just whatever I could afford. Mm-hmm. And because uh, symbols break easily and they're not expensive, yeah. they're, they're expensive. But uh, let me ask you so you you got just currently though, you got the DW set, and right. what what else do you have? Do you are you do you have something else you've been recording with though? I know you talk about the bass drum chain, but no, no, they're all they're all collector's kids, the, all the ones that I've that I've recorded on the last five or six years of been collector's kid prior to that right when i left when i left i was tama during fear not i was being divorced and i had sabian symbols and i had a, a a grand star kit which i have still um when i when i stopped that i started touring with a country artist and so i needed a smaller kit and a good friend of mine was working at guitar center and i said well look for a kit for me i don't know what i want anyway he found me a a premier signia um, it was a small kit, 20 inch, 20 inch bass drum with a, a 10, 12, and 14, and so I that's what I played on tour with with Shelly, and um, I have that kit. I had that kit. I played that kit forever. But then I got another uh, premiere. It was a, it was a, Artist Maple premiere kit. It was beautiful. I still have that kit, and then I have a, another uh, uh, APK premiere kit. So I played Premiere for a while, but then who was the country artist you played with? You said Shelly. Who's who's the what's that? Who was the country artist you said? Shelly Spady. Okay. It was a it was a you know one hit wonder type thing. Did you guys do uh, did you tour with anybody more popular at the time? No, we we did our own. We mainly she mainly did her own little tours. We did you know the more like Utah. That whole mid Midwest. Okay. okay. Sorry to interrupt you. You just said that, and I wasn't aware. Of yeah. That no. Part of the history. I was playing with a I was playing with a worship artist, and she hired the whole band okay. to uh, to go with her. That was right after Fear Not, you know, stopped stopped gigging. I wouldn't say we ever broke up, though. But we yeah. were gigging. We were well, playing music. You said something else that I wanted to ask you about. You said you were endorsed by Tama when you were with yeah. Fear Not. How did that work? What kind of endorsement? If you, I mean, if you don't. Care. It was it was basically uh, ten over cost, ten percent over cost. So you still have to pay for it, just like most endorsements. Okay, and then same with Sabian. And and then uh, right now, I mean, I'll, I'll ask you now because I do want I want to forget for one, but uh, you said you're endorsed by a symbol company right now. Tell me about that. Yeah, really cool. Um, same guy that sold me the. The premiere kit, he's actually the, the tech for Jamie. He's actually the, the road guy that goes with Tears for Fears. But um, he was playing at a church in Riverside over in California. And he called me up and he said, man, you have to hear these cymbals. Because these are the best sounding cymbals I've ever heard for a church. And so I said, I said okay, cool. <laughs> and so... Uh, so anyway, he. Uh, You're good. I, I checked out these symbols and they were amazing. So I just wrote the the company. They're an Australian company called Red Symbols. 
Okay. And Dylan Redmond's the guy's name, and I, I, I asked him if he would, you know, give me a deal for my church. And so I bought a set for the church. And the cool thing is, there he's a Christian guy, and he, he just, um, he gave us a great deal for the church. And then he put the church in his church endorsement um, on his website, and I was like, cool, cool. And then I, I brought them to a, a gig, a rock gig, and they killed it. They cut. They have such good. I mean, they're awesome. The the cut the the frequency that they are just cut through perfectly. Um, they're not loud to where they're killing me. They're not hard when you're hitting them, so you're not you know you're not shocking your wrist. Cause I'm old, you know. And, and uh, so I I fell in love with them and I called them up and I said you know I sent him a, a struggle video and said hey this is what I'm doing you think you would endorse me and he's like yep so same type of deal I I I think I bought this set of symbols and I paid just above cost for them so that's kind of how it works probably, probably a good good uh, cost <laughs> I guess you're what's that <laughs> well let me ask you this I was I was saying I guess that cost you uh, that was a good deal for you how yeah. did you compare the price of those symbols to say Sabian and Pasty Zildjian? Oh, these are these are um, as expensive or more expensive. These are Turkish symbols. They're yeah, those are expensive. They're really nice. I mean, they're they're not mass produced, so they're not stamped out. They're not. They're. I would say you know that you get the B line or like if you look at the the, the uh, Zildjian K's, the higher end. That's what more of these are like. Have you ever heard a dream symbol? I have no, I haven't. Dreams, Dream is another like boutique symbol company that sounds similar to this that a lot of the players are using these days. But they're 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 high end. They're really good, really. And this nice. and you're playing these symbols on the new record. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And I used them. I used them last year when we went out and played live. So, where can people find them at? Do they just is there a website? Redsymbols.com. Okay. Yeah. Go out there, drummers, check it out. Because I know I'm gonna check it out. I may not be able to afford it. Just uh, I'll just buy it through you. Oh yeah, we can get you. We can hook you up. I can see you. You you'll advertise them on this podcast. I would definitely do that. There you go. That's what that's how you do your podcast. Is you make a living. Yeah. Uh, real quick commercial. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Red Symbols. My we'd favorite. Like we like to thank all our endorsees, Gary from Fear Not. Yeah, and uh, that's all I know. Yeah. Uh, okay, so kind of going back, let's kind of jump into when do you start hooking up with the guys from Love Life? What does that process look like? Uh, yeah, from my end, it, it looks different too because I was like, for Larry, his story is a little different. But so I was, um, I was in a band. The same guys I was just telling you about that I grew up with. We we kind of morphed a few times with the main three of us. And we were playing Hollywood, you know, just out of our minds, doing that, don't doing the whole world, you know. Um, uh, were you doing it like were you kind of doing a Christian thing at the time? Or no, like, no, I'm, okay. no, we were out of our minds. I got yeah, you. We were, we were out there, and um, so we were doing gigs, and and you know, my life was a mess, and so I uh, I went to a passion play. Was invited by a friend to a passion play. Got saved. And I basically thought I didn't know what to do because I, now my lifestyle doesn't match what I what the Holy Spirit's telling me inside my heart. 
And so I, I played a couple more gigs with that band, and then I, I literally disappeared. I started going to a Calvary Chapel. Have you heard of Calvary Chapel? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to say ten games I had them on the other day. Yeah, they were all at this church. So, I'm gonna tell you about so basically, yeah. I started going to this church, um, Raul Reese Calvary Chapel, and I, I, when I walked in, I saw this group of guys sitting in this one side of the church, on the right side of the church, long hairs, all of them. And um, I thought, those guys are probably musicians. But I was, you know, I was into the world. I was just, I was diving in deep, eating, you know, the word just day and night. I was just getting myself established in the world and in my faith. And I slowly but surely started meeting these guys. And lo and behold, one of the guys was Jamie Wallum. A couple of the other guys were Oz Fox and Timmy Gaines. And once in a while, I would see Robert Sweet. And then the whole band Surrender was there. And Dave Messenger was a worship leader. Um, just, you know, the, the, it was, there was a lot of people that went to that church that were in that scene. Um, you know, Roger was a part of that scene for a little while before Sanctuary broke off. But anyway, long story short, um, Jamie said, hey, you want to go come and i had i had like said god i don't i'm not gonna play drums i, I don't know what to do you know i couldn't play worship i i mean i was just a basher so i uh i he asked me if i wanted to go to a gig his band was playing and they were playing in hollywood and i said sure sure i said you need any help i have a band he's like yeah yeah so i ended up picking up his drums and went and his guy that's still working with him to this day me and him were his roadies and so we when we got to the gig we're setting up and there was a uh, the bass player had a roadie, who was Mike Link. You know who Mike Link is? He was in the band. Know. He was in the band Rose. You heard Rose? Randy Rose's band. Yeah, that's okay. his cousin, Mike Link. So he was okay. the bass, and his other cousin was the bass player of the band. And Mike Link was the was the bass tech. And then the yeah. guitar player, the band was called Surrender. And the guitar player um, was Darren Evie, who was Love Life. So the three of us, Mike, Darren, and I. We would did a couple gigs with Surrender being there, and they would, you know, say, "Okay, test our gear." And so we'd play and kind of jam a little, and then we just said, "Hey, well, let's get together and jam." And Mike's like, "Yeah, we got a few songs." And him and Darren had already been playing because they worked together, so that was Love Life. That started Love Life. We were first called Forever, and then we we're called I can't remember whatever else we called. But then um, we put an ad out, and like the first day, Larry answered the ad, and so that's how Larry came in. And so that's that what was, was your thoughts how, so what when he comes in how did you feel when he starts singing well you drop on the floor right go, oh my gosh what i i don't belong here and not only singing but he would he would he would come to the the studio and he would say i got a song and he would just start playing the song and then he would say gary play this you know and then you know he had the whole thing in his head and so there was he was amazing he day one he was amazing so did he did he remind you of anybody when, when you heard him vocally you know at that time i guess you could say he, he reminded me of a better singer than everybody else that was going out trying to do it in hollywood you know he was as good as sebastian he was as good as all those guys in some of a lot of them he i thought he was way better so mm. you know and and we were we were all into striper you know like everybody else was not so much um we were we we also were into some other you know bands saigon kick and 
King's X and some other. So we got, you know, varied stylist, stylistically, but Larry was just, he would come prepared. He would have the songs ready. We, you know, he was great. You know, his harmonies were spot on. So it was awesome. And underrated, most underrated guitar player. In fact, I read a thing, a, a blurb today that when they saw him playing guitar, they like, I never knew he fronted and played guitar. A lot of people didn't realize that he, a lot of those leads you hear on that Love Life album are him. A lot of the leads you hear on Fear Not are him. So, like you heard that song, Give It Up. Mm -hmm. That's him playing the lead. Well, now I have to go back and listen to it just to pay attention to that, even though I'm very familiar with Al. Yeah. And So, so that's kind of how the Fear Not, the Love Life thing happened. And then, you know, we played every club. We had a good manager that, that, uh, he booked us. He booked us two, three nights a week, and we played all the time. And whether it was a youth group on a on a Thursday, or a, you know Hollywood on a Friday, you know the country club in in Thousand Oaks on Saturday. I mean, we played everywhere. Arizona. We you know we anywhere within 200 miles of of Southern California. We were playing all the time. Were you playing with some of the what would become later big bands at the time? Uh, yeah, we played with we played with Guardian, you know, a ton. We played with Holy Soldier a ton. We played with Eternal Right. We played with with uh, Precious Death. We played with uh, all the Hollywood Christian, and not only not only that, but we played with bands like Warrant and, and other bands like that, you know, on the strip. How did, how did those bands receive you? Say like Warrant. I don't think they paid attention. Right. No one paid attention to anybody out there, you know. Unless you were in the clique, so what's that? There was probably so much going on, so much competition in, in a way. Oh yeah, the good thing though is that the, the Christian bands totally supported each other. You know, mm-hmm. everybody would come to everybody's gigs. It was a, it was a scene. It was awesome. It was a, it was a beautiful time. And people were, you know, getting saved. And because your fans are coming, everybody's praying, and you know, people on the Sunset Strip getting saved. It was awesome. Yeah. And and you guys record. Um, Goodbye, Lady Jane, as Love Life, uh-huh. which is, in my opinion, an excellent record. I actually just picked it up. And, I mean, I've listened to it. It's on YouTube, so you can listen to it there. But I finally got the CD, and I got it on vinyl. I'm still waiting for that to r- arrive. Nice. I, at this point here in your life, do you remember? Because I know Larry, I, there was messaging him. He's like, I don't remember any of those songs, basically, because I said, Goodbye, Lady Jane is a really catchy song and a good song. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much of it do you remember? Could you have you listened well, to it I, lately? Oh yeah, I listen to it on my bike rides sometimes. It's good. It's good music. I mean, it. it it's very good. Did you? When you get the vinyl, you'll get our demo. There's a there's a free four song demo, and it's the it's the it's before it was Goodbye, Lady Jane. There's some songs on there that turned into other songs, but you'll hear them. And they're like seven-minute songs with these ten layers of vocal harmonies. We we went to a four-track studio and we thought we were, you know, rock stars. So and you did the Beatles cover song too. Speaking of we did. The Beatles early, which yep. which Beatles song? Hard Day's there. Night. There you go. Yep. Did you ever feel like? Did you have? Did you want to kind of stick away? Or I, I feel like it was you played it your way. Kind of more of just the straight rock way as opposed to what Ringo played it. But did you have any memories of how you were going to play that, or did you want to? You probably didn't want to change it up too much or anything. You know, what's interesting is is the band that I played in my whole life 
we I performed that song live with the band probably 300 times before I ever went in the studio and did it. And then we didn't really rehearse it. We just kind of went in and did it. Mm-hmm. So I really don't remember what, if I what my thought process was on that. Do you remember who brought that up to record it, or was it? It was Larry. You're right. Oh, Larry. Yeah. Okay. And uh, you're gonna, you guys are gonna do another cover on the new album. Is it a Beatles song? Maybe two. <laughs> Not the Beatles. Oh, okay. I just thought I'd see if I get anything out of you. I don't. I don't know who it might be. Uh oh. That's the hint right there. All right. I'm gonna say about that. All right. I think it, I think we got an idea if you have common sense. <laughs> uh, so during that time, though, do you feel like, hey, this band's got it? You know, why are we not getting further along? What what finally, I guess, what is going on? But then you guys kind of you, you eventually change the name of the band. You change the guitarist. Yeah. Take me through the process of what you want to discuss there. What was going on? So, um, you know, 20-year-old males, um, you know, didn't know what we were doing. Um, Some of us were unemployed. Some of us were employed well. Some of us, you know, but our ultimate goal at that point was to to play music and to tour and to do our thing. Um, We were getting, you know, we would play a Hollywood club, you know, packed out, standing room only. And then three days later, we'd play for four people. Yeah, you're um, just a girlfriend showing up or something. Right, or, or, you know, or Where's we'd be the other band? Or we'd be at a, what we, what we were finding, it was a really hard time to be in a Christian band and, and try to make it. Um, no matter how good you were, the, the secular labels weren't going weren't gonna to pick you up. And the Christian labels um, were small. And there was no tour support. And like bands like The Brave, they tried it. They went out and, and they were, you know, if you could do it. But we were already in a situation where, you know, we couldn't just quit our day gigs and go out on the road unless it was a good one. And we, you know, we were starstruck. So we thought we, we were going to do it. So and then the the love life thing, the love life just kind of it kind of, you know, we had a the guitar player was just wasn't interested in doing it anymore and as so a, as a band or as uh, as a band he didn't want to be in the band anymore. okay and so that's when we we didn't know what we we're going to do then we found chris we met chris and um and then we then we said let's do it so we started playing with chris and you met him you met him at the nam was it the nam show nam show yeah the nam show yeah okay. yep. like at the last yeah. minute yeah, I'd I'd seen him play. We Larry and I both knew who he was. He was he was a rock star even back then. Is that's the thing? Is there was levels? You know, you were were you a Hollywood rock star? Did you make it to the national stage? Did you make it to the world stage? You know, right. So bands like Holy Soldier, Guardian, they made it to the national stage. Um, the Brave did for a little while. Um, so well, then you guys do become Fear Not, and mm-hmm. you get the Pack Durham. And well, actually, there was a there was a pre fear not. We did we did a bunch of gigs with Chris, um, trying out the new stuff, showcases, um, Hollywood gigs, just getting getting our you know, we we were we were five night a week practicers. We had a studio called Franz Farm, 
and we shared it with another band for a little while and then it became all of ours and it was you know 24 7 it was a chicken coop at one time we fixed up into a studio so we had we had a place to play all the time so we practiced as much as humanly possible and none of us were larry was married but none of the other one none of, the other, none of us were married so but what happened was in in the in the midst of that um we had a stint with um michael cutting of oh yeah michael came in and that's where we got the name we we had a song called fear no evil and we were going to call the band fear no evil we did a you know a couple of really good shows we did a showcase at the and did a video at the magic castle um recorded a, a i think four song demo uh, with dino i can't remember his name dino mangiano the guy that that all the bands in hollywood all the christian bands in hollywood were using um and then that didn't work out there were some things that happened that that ended up michael cutting ended up leaving so larry went back on guitar and and that's when we started heavily gigging with with guardian and guardian had just put out their second record with pachyderm and uh so that, and, that's this is uh with with jamie and the band now at the time right 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 yeah right. and we became really good friends with them and and uh you know we we recorded the love life record at pachyderm studios mm -hmm. and so they had already they already knew who we were so with Guardian, I remember, I remember Larry mentioning that. Yeah, with Guardian and the Brave giving them a little push, it was a little push. We got we got a record deal with that. And so what I want to ask you, and uh, Larry's talked about it working with. Uh, well, I guess you guys worked more with Dino. Is that is that correct, or was it? Yeah, Dino was the Dino was the main Dino was the main the guy working with us. But John had his ear on it at all times. You know, and it wasn't getting out the door with his name on it unless he, you know, he had something to say about it. So, so yeah, because I had asked Larry and people, if you haven't listened to the show with Larry Worley, singer for Fear Dive, well, former singer, guitarist, uh, I would suggest go back and listen to that also. And because um, he talks about this stuff, because I had asked the guys from the Brave, Stacy, talking about their experience working with John with the singers. And how hard he pushed the singers, both both uh, first album, both first and second album, and uh, that's why I asked Larry. That he told me that it was more Dino working with you guys. But I wanted to ask you, as a drummer, how was your relationship with Dino and him as a producer, and uh, from your aspect from playing drums? Well, um, <laughs> it's a good story. So. Pre-production was, you know, back in the that late '80s, early '90s. They were, you know, we weren't playing with clicks and rehearsals. We weren't playing with tracks at live shows. We were just going out and playing. And um, honestly, I, you know, I recorded the Love Life record. I recorded a bunch of demos. I was I was okay with the with a click, but I wasn't I wasn't, you know, like I wasn't. Um, Dave Weckl, you know what I mean? I was just, and I wasn't Jamie Wallen. Jamie at the time was doing most of the records. For he did a lot of records that you don't know he's even on. And and the, they loved his kit, which was a DW kit. So I get to the studio to record the first day, and Jamie's there with his kit, 
And I was like, uh-oh. And so I was, also I had 103 fever. I was sick, sick as a dog. I wasn't going to miss, you know, recording with John and Dino. Long yeah. story short, I went in, I cut two tracks. They listened to them. They said, hey, um, we're going to bring Jamie. And I said, and Larry said, no. Larry just said, no, forget it. He's sick. Give him, you know, give him the rest of the day. We're going to have to cut it and we'll just come back tomorrow. So the next day I, I felt way better. I came back and I cut the whole record. So, wow. so it was, and, and they were really, they had their, they had their, um, their style. They had their sound. They had their, their, um, it was very controlled, very, um, orchestrated, but a super, super amazing experience to work with those guys. Well, that was, and that, going back to Larry, that's an awesome thing for your bandmate to step, step up for you, to especially okay. big producers, big guys like that and say, no, you're not, we're not going to do that. Give them another chance. Instead of yeah. easily just being young guys and, and feeling the pressure and say, okay, we'll do whatever you want. Because I've yeah. now yeah. interviewing other guys like Michael from White Cross. He mentioned that he didn't play on pretty much any of the stuff while he was in the band. He played on like three songs on Equilibrium. Mm -hmm. He's like, well, I got to spill the beans. Uh, it's not me. And uh, they had studio musicians come in. Much, and, yeah. And, uh, you know, I know that with other with other guys, you know, talking oh. with Sam Gaines the other day, and you know, we were talking about with, with a couple albums that he wasn't on in the early days and yeah. having studio musicians, but... You know that's got to hurt a musician's pride. I guess your pride a little bit too. If well, you, you were to be replaced, you you can you can look at it two ways too. Is is that um, that's just not it's it's two different kind of um, settings. You know, there's the live players, and and then there's the the studio guys, and not all the same. You know, Cinderella, um, yeah, a lot of a lot of those bands. I mean, it was. Kenny Arnoff was playing on a lot of that stuff. Carmine was playing on a lot of that stuff. Um, you know, all these different guys were playing. So, well, I'm glad that yeah. worked out for you. Yeah, me too. And Larry's Larry's got the opposite um, instructions for me nowadays. And you know, really, what's that? He he wants me to just go nuts. So okay. I have complete 100% freedom. So. Well, that's good. So I, I love it. It's yeah. So all that stuff you hear is just just off my head, and it's interesting too because I we have to go back and relearn the songs because I learn them, record them, and then we never rehearse them or plan because we're miles and miles apart. So when we go to play, I have to spend weeks. How did I do that? You know, and in the studio, you know, there's that there's that magic that happens too sometimes. So yeah. Uh I really enjoy studio. Playing in front of a crowd live is, is great energy, but being creative also in the studio and then making something from nothing and then you have this great song or, or a really good song, mm -hmm. you're like, oh man, I want to keep doing that. I want to keep creating this, this songs. And, you know, it's each one has uh, its bonus, you know, the bonus of, whoa. Which you might do you prefer one over the other? Um, yeah, I like playing live. But if, especially if a good, good show, good 
got a good sound system that always helps too yeah i love doing i love doing shows where the shows is is scripted and and, and practiced and rehearsed note for note and everything is the same and so that you get it so wired that when you perform you're actually performing you're not thinking about what you're doing because it's it's already in there mm-hmm. so i like to get to that point of just you know i've done so many like rehearse sunday morning play sunday morning so many hey i got a gig you know in this club thursday night and our drummer's gone you know can you sub you know just all the multiple of times that i've done gigs without rehearsal and i it's fun it's it's a it's kind of a rush and kind of a trip that you can actually go and do it and no one knows but but it, on the other hand i just i'd much rather just be in a tight you know almost almost my dream is almost to be in like some type of broadway or vegas show where it's it's like every night the same tight you know you get to get to really hone in everything i always thought it'd be cool when i was younger to be like a cruise boat uh drama or like all those shows yeah all the adventure you get to do you get to go out and you're playing these shows and and you're just like that's got to be an awesome gig right there yeah i'm i'm fortunate to to sub in this this local band that that they work a ton so they need several drummers and there it's basically um you press the you, the drummer presses go and the show goes on the lights are triggered i mean you don't stop the, the click tells you what you know, i mean in your ear is the, oh, I know is the conductor yeah. and it's it's awesome yeah. everybody's um except for the drummer and the bass player everybody's doubled on the tracks so the the singers can dance and the dancers can dance i mean they're just it's just a, it's a really good show and people love it and it's so fun to do to see people just enjoying great music and it sounds amazing is that on youtube or someone could look it up and check you out doing that no uh maybe i might have something i can send you yeah all right well, okay well so let's go back to fear not you guys are doing the album uh you get everything knocked out and you guys have the one album and i know larry's discussed a lot of stuff going on but what what happens do you so, i mean just kind of t- and also if you want you could tell from your memory What's some of your favorite moments and stories from being in Fear Not from those days? Well, um, one of the things that that you know always relationships coming coming to you know people get married, people do stuff. Um, we uh, we did the record and, and we did Cornerstone. We did a few early shows with Chris, and then um, Pachyderm decides they're going to move to Nashville and build a new studio. So Guardian moves, um, you know, White Cross moves. Most of the bands move or stop. Um, we we didn't, we didn't, at the time, we weren't a big enough band. And I understand it now more being, you know, more seasoned at, at looking at things. But, you know, when you got, even if you have, if you have 100,000 fans, um, first of all, 50% of those fans aren't going to come to your show because it's just not working out for them. And then you take, so you take 50,000 fans and you spread that over 50 states. That's a thousand fans per state. That doesn't, 
and there's 20 cities or 30 cities in every state or 50 or 100. So it doesn't that doesn't really support a tour. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So well, it, it's hard to motivate people also. Right. And so we had no we had no and we had no tour support from the label. So we were on our own to try to go out there. And, you know, at the time, I, I won't say anything bad, but at the time, um, Christian metal, as we were quote unquote called, wasn't accepted yet. You know, it, there were, it was a cult following, kind of like it is now. I mean, it's more accepted, but it's still, we're still outside that CCM go to the church. So we didn't have a lot of church support either. So we didn't. We we just kind of got disenfranchised with, with being, a, you know, doing going move. You know, I went out to Nashville and looked at houses. Larry thought about it. Chris left and moved to Nashville, and Rod was n never going to Nashville. So it, it 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 just didn't work out. And when when they moved to Nashville, they were like, "Well, you guys kind of kind of come out here, or or we're gonna let you go." So. That's kind of what happened, and who we just saying, who was saying that you're talking about Dino and John. The, the label, I don't know yeah. somebody, you know, they, they were a label. They were the labels. Okay, not fair, guys. I wouldn't make it personal at all, but it was the label that moved, and, and it was no big. It was no. There's no hard feelings. We were done. You know, we were just didn't. We didn't. We had a great guitar player, John Gadesi. He was amazing, amazing. He, we did a lot of shows with him after Kristoff. We wrote three or four songs. Um, played him for John and Dino. We just, it just, it just wasn't, it was just weird. You know, we were like, we worked so hard to get to where we got this like semi-major record deal. And then, then everything, everyone tried to stop us. So we just I think playing. you guys, I think you guys probably have one of the best debut albums for that time period. And I'm not talking about Christian, I'm talking about secular and Christian. Oh, I, I, I have to agree. I mean, that album was 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 a masterpiece, and it wasn't just us. It was John and Dino, it was Larry, it was J.R. McNeil. I mean, look who was on that. Not a there's not one bad song on there. No, every and, song and, is great, catchy. You love every one of them. And and I, I mean, plug for the new album. It's the same. This this ten songs are going to be epic. Right. And this is done by by our producer Kyle Simpson and Larry. You know, and Chris and Larry, when they get in a room together, it's, it's magic. So I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of times where I would just sit and watch those two guys just figure out these parts. And I, you asked me about the recording process too. Um, uh, we have a God, the song "We Have a God." We yeah. sat in a room with Dino, uh, Larry, Dino, me, and Carl Bonet from from Guardian, the drummer. He just happened to be in the studio that day, and we wrote that song right there in the studio. So, or, or wrote parts of that song. It was, you know, it was little moments like that that were cool, where different people would come in and just, it was just great. It was a great experience. So once they they're out there in Nashville, do you guys feel like, hey, let's stick it out? We can perhaps hook up with another record label, or also this no. is kind of the time. No, I, I honestly, honestly, Larry was was done. Yeah, he had a family. Yeah, he was just, he had his two kids. He was, you know, living in Orange County, which is expensive. And he just, he's like, I got to get out of here. Yeah. And he moved to Oklahoma. 
did you ever feel like he was, he's wasted his talent a little bit? Like, dude, you're so talented. You can write songs. You you, uh, you have an amazing I, voice. You know, I, I just go back to, to, you know, it's all God. And Larry will tell you the same thing. And, and when Larry's in, in the right place with God, um, you know, that's what that's what God blesses him with. And, and to bless others with, that's his ministry. That's his, that's what God uses him to give to the world. I think it's really cool that we'll get to do it again. I can't say anything for the, you know, the 30 years that, or 24 years that passed. Um, it just, it was weird. It just ended. And the other thing too, to, to remember Joel is that during those nineties up into, you know, the, the early two thousands, there was no Facebook, there was no Instagram, there was no Twitter. There was no, um, I mean, we didn't, we didn't know how many people liked us. We never knew Joel, that you were a fan. You know I mean? We didn't never knew we had a fan in Georgia. You know, we didn't know we we didn't know we had fans in Costa Rica and Peru and and all over South America. We didn't know we had fans in, in the Eastern Bloc in Australia. And, I mean, we have fans all over the world. We never knew because how would we? You know, there was no internet. There was no, I mean, and the record company we never really got records of what we didn't know what we sold or where it sold or, you know. So we were we we didn't know that we probably could have. You know done better than we did we were just we just kind of gave up it was sad it's sad to think about but yeah do you, do you regret back. that at all or anything you do regret i don't really regret it because everyone in the band um prospered and everyone in the band stayed in ministry and stayed walking with god so it i i think we just had our families and it was such for such a time as that and now it's for such a time as this Okay, so we I want to go back. Another thing you mentioned was you played with the Brave. So, I mean, yes. Tell me about that story. Well, the Brave, when they did their second album, mm -hmm. um, they they the drummer was was Stacy's brother, and he became the lead singer. Right. And then Jamie Wallen did the did the drums and the record, but Jamie went out with Michael on the road, and so they were auditioning drummers, and they had some shows. So I got to, uh, I got to rehearse and do some shows with. Were you familiar with them before? Yeah, we were friends. We were in the yeah. they were in the studio. About, it was kind of an overlapping thing, and Larry and and Larry and Stacy and they would come to our shows. We did shows with them. They, yeah, they they were our friends. They still are our friends. What did you think about their music? They were playing at the same time because I mean, very I, I similar to what what you guys had. You got Stacy's in them incredible songwriter he doesn't write a bad song i don't believe nope. i don't think him or, or larry can do it and uh, uh yeah that that first album especially was amazing and uh, yeah second, so second yeah stacy and, and stacy and freddie and and uh stacy's brother and, and and yeah marcus they were just it was a i drove it was a two-hour drive for me to get to their to their church where they rehearsed so i would drive up there a couple times a week so that was it was fun i got to know them really good i hung out with them i got to listen to the uh we used to do breaks we take a break from rehearsing we go get something to eat and they would pop in the cassettes that they got from drummers all over the country auditioning oh really yeah and so we got to we got to uh 
I got to listen to that. And they said, what'd you think? I said, throw it out the window. <laughs> no, we never threw it out the window, but it was fun. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, John, John would eventually get that gig, I, I believe. No, I guess so. <laughs> that guy's a monster. Yeah, he's gone on to do some... Get, he's got a pretty good good uh, gig, too, now. Yeah, he does. Um, he deserves, though. He's a great charmer. Yeah. So you fill in with them. What else is going on? Do you? Is it more like how important is music or is music kind of put on the back burner for you? I know you mentioned touring with a country artist, but is there a point where you say, okay, I got to get a real job? I obviously got to. I don't well, know if you have the, a family at this time or not. Well, the, the funny thing is that I don't know if they call me Papa. That's my that's my nickname. That's what Larry and Rod and Chris and all the guys from that that era. And one of the okay. things that that it was because I before I got into <clears throat> Fear Not Love Life, I um I had graduated from college and I had a good job. So the whole time I was like the only guy who had money and who had you know was had my own place and whatnot. So I kind of always did both, so it's nothing new to me. I've always worked all week and played all weekend, or worked all day, played all night, and went back to work the next day. So I haven't really, I never stopped doing that. So, uh, I, I mean, after after Fear Not, I, I, you know, I just kept doing little gigs and kept playing, playing church. Then I became a worship leader. Um, that's another story for another time, but. I had to audible. I actually got an audible word from God, first time ever. Silenced a, a room that a full a gymnasium, doing worship in a gymnasium, playing drums, and super loud, and it went silent. And I heard God's voice say, "This is what I want you to do." I didn't know what He was talking about, yeah. but a month later, I was leading worship at a at a church plant. And I didn't even know how to play guitar. I just learned because I just like had no choice. So. When did you learn to play guitar? How old were you? Uh, 1998. Okay. So yeah, that's when I started. Fear not was over with. Then you decided to do the guitar stuff. Well, yeah, because I was I was leading worship from drums, but it wasn't working because you know you don't know the keys, you don't know what's going on. So I just kind of dove into that world. Do you try to pick, have you tried to pick up any other instruments? Um, I can play the ba I play the bass. I played bass many times. Um, you know, I mess around. I'm not. I'm not. You know, I'm not a prodigy. I guess you'd say. Yeah, you're no. I have to work player. really hard to do everything. Right. Yeah, I, I can play a little guitar myself, but I would, I would never. I could do it to say, okay, here's some chords, here's a song idea I have. You can play it now. Yeah. Uh, I'm a drummer. That's, I love playing drums, and that's all I really want to do. And I'd love, I'd love to be able to just pick up and know how to play another instrument without having to do all the practice and figuring things out. But um, So I did want to ask you this question. I was talking to uh, Larry when I had him on the show about his album he did with Robert Sweet. What, and you're, you know, you're a guy that's influenced by Robert Sweet. What did you think about that album? Um, I, I, I mean, Robert's a talented guy. You know, he did he did a really good job on that record. Um, he made the right move by having Larry sing on it. So I, I, I mean, 
wasn't my it didn't feel like a band you know i didn't feel like i could go see them play but the songs were good and robert's guitar playing and drumming and bass playing it was amazing it was a, it was impressive i would say it wasn't my favorite record i ever heard but uh, yeah i could say that too I, I i'll be honest with you i was a little disappointed not with anything in particular there's just where you're used to what you heard from striper and then larry and the production from fear not and then this two meet you think this is going to be unbelievable these two superstars of this world and yeah. uh and, and i don't know i felt like it left me it's just my honest opinion uh a little bit disappointed maybe uh yeah. perhaps and and nothing against the album uh it's just i guess you're used to hearing that certain person in that certain capacity yeah and uh and i thought it was awesome i was that mike or robert could do all those kind of things oh yeah and, and the album, i thought i'm not gonna lie the what was it the trash man song where i'm like eh, lyrics are a little cheesy that he wrote here but okay I think it was, I'm a trash man or something there. <laughs> you remember that I one? I don't, I don't. You're like, I blocked it out forever. I don't want to. No, that. no, I just, sure. I, I, uh, yeah. I, it, it, it was different. And, um, you know, let's kind of, I, I want to wrap it up. I want to keep forever. And I'm, I'm probably going to make you do a drum solo to do the end of the show. At the, well, that's not what? Uh, <laughs> Oh, where you at there? I just hit some button doing something. Yeah. I don't know what I did. Do you see the picture? Yeah, some kind of weird tree behind me. There we go. Yeah, yeah I, I'm in it too now. We it's look like it's gone now, right? No, you got me stuck in some jungle. We look like we're next to each other. Go, go up to where it says view. Click oh, on together that mode. And put yeah, grid. Yeah, Gary's over here playing with like our backgrounds and he just put us like we look like we're sitting next to each other uh, in the jungle <laughs> or something. <laughs> Is my conversation not good enough? Goodness, I'm no, We're good. We're good. Man. You're boring me, Joel. Uh, okay, so yeah, I do want to kind of wrap it up, but uh, let's talk about current stuff. Let's talk about what's going let's on. Let's do now. that. And I know today, even though this will be old news maybe by the time this episode comes out uh you guys put out a teaser now tell me what is the teaser for so the teaser is going to be it, we're going to redo it every week first one week was larry and there's there's four songs just chorus you know 10 15 seconds per song just a little teaser of what this what the album's gonna entail what we have done what what's in the you know what's in the can so it did sound like uh I could kind of pick up larry singing background on some of the stuff so cool. so the first record was the the ep that we did with eddie um we were really separated when we wrote it but then we came together in the studio and recorded it like in a weekend basically and um then eddie came back and did the vocals and, and that worked really great but what we found in this the latest process is Chris and Larry in a, in a room writing the core parts, writing the, the, the guitar parts, all the, you know, coming up with the hooks, coming up with the, the riffs. 
And then um, Eddie and Larry doing the same thing vocally, you know, re really refining the melodies and Larry singing, you know, doubling the voice. So you hear a lot of Larry even in the even in the verses on some of the songs, but but not not necessarily it's not as much Larry as people might think. It's 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 Eddie singing it, but it's the it's the melodies, and that's one of the things that people I think overlook when they think about our old stuff too, is that those melodies, the the what makes those songs so good, it's not just his voice, but it's his phrasing and it's the it's the melodies that he writes and the parts. And so Larry's having a lot more involvement in the in the actual melody lines and how the how the parts are phrased. So not to take anything from Eddie, Eddie's amazing, and most of that stuff is just him. But it's just it's just that collaboration that we've got on this record that's making it. Um, I think it's giving it more of a fear not sound, and and more of that. We kind of went back old school a little bit. What was your how was it brought up? But what was your reaction when it was? Like, I don't know how it's said, but hey, yeah, Larry's not gonna be singing lead, or maybe Larry said to you, "I'm not gonna be singing." Oh, we—that's—that's that's one of the you know one of the reasons we never did it. We talked about it for years. I would get people calling and say, "Hey, we got a gig. We want fear not to do a reunion," and I would call Larry, and Larry like, "Man, I can't. I can sing on a record because I can do it in parts, but I, and I can sing a whole song, but to do a whole show, he's you know his." It, you know, he's got some asthma and he's got some, some physical things that, that are keeping him from being able to do that the way he wanted, he would want to do it. So, and when we got together and we did um, a weekend together before Eddie was in the band, um, uh, you know, it became evident that, you know, it was, it was a struggle for him to sing a live, a whole live show, but he's going to sing a lot more. He's and he's getting healthier and he's working out and he's. Well, that's you know, good news. Because when, when we come back, if we get if you get a chance to see us on this next record, you're gonna you're gonna be impressed with Larry. Yeah, I, I I'm looking forward to it. And, and like I told them, I was I was just, you know, you're used to one singer and you love that singer. Like when I said, what did you think when you heard Larry sing for that first time? Your jaw's yeah. on the floor. And when you hear that fear not out. Larry and his voice make that a distinct album that you mm -hmm. love. So mm -hmm. when it and I think a lot of people and I know Larry said he's heard this a lot, but you know hear it from the people of you know why are you not singing, uh, uh, you know however they want to put it. But and maybe some folks are disappointed, and, and I'm disappointed because you're used to this great singer and you want to hear them and you want them to be able to do what they used to be able to do but mm -hmm. he says he can't do it and then uh you, you do have a very good singer with eddie uh he's a good but he, he's a totally opposite kind of singer uh mm -hmm. than, than what uh, larry was so it, it takes time perhaps for for fans but the stuff i heard today though that's the best stuff i've heard with with eddie now as the singer uh, it, it really got me excited about the new stuff. Yeah, I think that. people are going to really love it. I think people are going to love it. I think it's just going to have to grow on people, and we'll just have to get used to it. And there's some there's some surprises on the new record, so just just be ready. Are there any owls going who who? I don't know. 
that's not a surprise. That, that's that's a surprise. But there's other surprises. All right. Um, so, when do you think this album might be coming out? Is it, is this being put out through Rocks? Yes. Okay. Rock is it Rocks Records? Is that what it yes. he goes by? All right. So it'll be coming and out through Rocks Records in Aprilish. Couple and months. Like you said, you're not really sure of how many songs exactly yet, but how well, we know that there's going to be at least there's going to be ten. Yeah. On the on the on the record, there'll be ten, but just there might be something else special. How are you? How would you compare this album to the first album? The the way you feel though about uh, these albums. The fear not. The fear not. The fear first not fear album. not album and in comparing it to this, what is the difference uh, on your uh, mentality and where you're at in life? I think it's. I think that it's as for such a time as this. You know, I think it's perfect for this 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 time. I think it's it's heavy. It's going to give people who like fear not that nostalgia feel, but something new. It's going to attract people who um, might not ever have heard of Fear Not. I think it's it's, it's very commercially appearing, appealing. I think that it's it's. I think it's going to stand up with anything else that's going out there. You know, people, you know, compared us to, that I've played it for. You know, in the circle, you know, say things of, you know. Reservoir Dogs and, and some of the you know the super group sounds that are out there. It's kind of has that because the guitar work is so phenomenal. If you're a guitar player I out there, I can't wait to hear that. If you got if you're a guitar player out there and you like you like that that bluesy soul rock, Richie Kotzen sounding, you know, just I mean you're gonna love this record. Right. So, I, like I said, I'm I'm dead serious when I said the stuff I heard today. I'm looking forward to each um, each week when you do drop these little uh, little what are we call what are you calling them now? Teasers. Teasers. There we go. I was gonna say samplers, but the teasers. And uh, just from the first one today, where can they go to check out those teasers if they want to listen? Uh, YouTube. To they can go to they can go to Fearnot's Facebook page and and jump on the link to the YouTube video, and it'll okay. show it. Or my personal page. And another thing, just a shameless plug, on the 28th, we're going to release Struggle, which is next Friday. Struggle will be on all the digital outlets. So you'll have Apple Music, uh, Spotify, iTunes, um, like all, like 10 different um, digital marketplaces. Go out and get that, that song. Go to Spotify and listen to it. Go to YouTube and watch the video. Um, make comments come to our website and like us we really want to know um you know who our fans are where they are and, and how we can you know communicate we want to we want to you know be, be really open and communicative with our fans and the people who like our stuff and and keep them in the loop and and just more friends the better and when we get to your city you know we can expect your support but we'd really love it if if we you know if we're going to get out on the road this summer we're going to need to sell a lot of songs because it's it's not cheap for us because we have to fly from four different states to usually get to a gig. Do you so, have a booking agent or anybody that does that kind of or management that does anything? That's, like that I'll put that plug out there. We we need that. You know, we're all right. we, we all are writing songs, playing music, um, doing. Larry and I are both you know worship leaders. Rod runs a business, um, 
Chris moonlights as a guitar player for country bands and, and tours all over. So we have, uh, Eddie has his own business. So we're busy, busy, busy. And it's really hard to keep up. You know, we're trying to keep up with social media as we can, but we could use a social media person. We could use a booking agent. We could use a record company, you know? Rox Records is, a, is an amazing guy. He's a great guy. He puts our um, physical um, music on CDs and on on vinyl. But you know, we he doesn't. He's a small guy. We need. We'd love to get Frontier Records or some big label grab us up, and we'd be all over it. Oh, yeah, we could all just we could all just collect our social security. <laughs> yeah, that it sounds funny, but it's true. Yeah, it's gonna be happening soon. No, I'm sure. Uh, who, okay, so you mentioned those things that you like to have people perhaps do for the band. Who do they need to reach out to if they're myself? Just myself. Find you on Facebook. Yep. And just or a fear not page. Message. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Do you run the uh, the fear not page? Is that you mainly running that page? Uh, Larry and I do. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go, folks. If uh, if you're interested and yeah, you're say you're. You got the knowledge, you got the hookups, you got the motivation. You know what to do. Fear not right? wants you. <laughs> Fear not wants you. Do not let the devil tell you differently. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, we'd love it. So the goal, I guess, would be hopefully, obviously, you want the album to do well. And then you want to play live. We do. We love playing live. Right. So is there any, are you restricted to what venues you want to play? Like, You'll play no. churches, you'll play clubs, you'll play whatever. We'll do anything. We'll do anything. We'll do backyard parties. I'm playing my living room. And, we'll and do it. Uh, $100 do it. Will that get you here? If we can make $100 profit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll, hey, I'll get you guys on the Greyhound. I'll get you the finest Greyhound money can buy, okay? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I feel like we covered most everything, you know, because I know right. you're talking with Larry. You know, he, he mentioned a lot of things I've been wanting to ask you guys. And, and uh, Gary, I enjoy you as a drummer. Uh, I, I love life album, for, just to start off with people. If you've never, if you're a fan of Fear Not and have never heard that album, you got to go out and get it. It, I know, uh, I'm guessing from what I gathered, but Larry might give himself a little hard time since he produced it. I still think it sounds great. I think his voice sounds, to me, it reminds me of a Mark Slaughter style. Mm -hmm. He's got just one of those, oh man, just emotional voices that, that just moves you. Yes. And then, of course, transitioning over to Fear Nine. And uh, that was one of the first Christian albums I ever got. My buddy made a copy of it for me, trying to get me into Christian music. You've pirated our album? Yeah, you can. Uh, Mike Bischoff is my friend, and we can probably get I'll him. Into, yeah, FBI. FBI, we need you. Uh, <laughs> but we were young, and he's like trying to get me into Christian music, and he knew I was in the Striper. So, Fear or Not was one of my first ever bands that I really wow. got into back when I was, you know, about 12, 13. Wow. And, uh, awesome. So, I've been familiar with you guys for the longest time. and always wish you guys would have came back and here it is it's happening just a little bit different format but still it's going to be great got the yeah i got all my kids back here cats awesome. they're awesome. like it's time to get in the show but uh anything you want to put out there anything you want to add before we 
before we close the show here. Yeah, I would just say, you know, it's a, it's a crazy world right now. It's a, it's a, it's interesting if you if you guys want to go back and listen to a song called Mad World on the on the Fear Not album. That that song is so timely for this time now, and just I would just say everyone lift up each other in prayer. Continue to pray for the family members and friends and relatives that are that are struggling with this this disease, um, and just lift them up in prayer. You know, a lot of people say, yeah, yeah, pray for my uncle. He's in the hospital. He's on a ventilator. You know, let's really pray fervently. You know, pray the word over over these people. Um, God is a God of healing. God is a powerful God. Um, he's not He's not surprised by this. There's nothing. It's not a surprise to God. So we just need to seek Him and and His Word and His will through this hard time. Right. Most important, you know, just love each other. Do what you do. Um, you know, be kind. Be a kind human being. That's all I can say. And it'll come back to you. I promise. You.